Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Stephanie, and I am a ministry intern here at Cornerstone. Thank you all for joining us this morning to worship God together as one church body. And wherever you're joining from, I hope that you are healthy and that you are safe. And that today would be for all of us a day of resting and rejoicing with God, even with all that is going on in the world around us. Today, I have the privilege of sharing with you all God's word. And it's my hope and my prayer that whatever our lives look like right now, by coming to God's word, we may be refreshed and re-anchored in God's peace and love for us. So today we are learning about another judge, another leader that God raises to answer Israel's cry for help. Because again, Israel had turned away from God and again, God faithfully delivers his people from the consequences of their evil and their unfaithfulness. And like Chris preached at the beginning of our series, God is committed and faithful to his people, even when they aren't. The book of Judges displays to us that the relationship between God and his people isn't contingent on our failures and our weakness, but on the steadfast love of a sovereign God. And each judge is a reminder to us of how in this world we too are in need of a deliverer. We too are in need of a faithful and a loving king. So in chapter 6 of Judges, we learn about Gideon a man who God called to again save Israel from their enemies, who were at the time the Midianites. And as with many of the leaders in scripture, Gideon was an unqualified leader. He struggled to trust God and he doubted his ability to do what God had called him to do. But throughout Gideon's time as judge, God continually and powerfully assures him of his promise that the Lord God is with him and he will be his help. The story of Gideon spans chapters six to eight and I encourage you to read them today. It's a story filled with God showing up in epic ways and patiently displaying to a doubtful man again and again, how trustworthy and how powerful the God of Israel is. The passage we're looking at today comes at the end of Gideon's legacy, after he had done what God had called him to do. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, please turn with me to Judges chapter 8, verses 2 to 27. Um, I will add the link for you as well. So now here is God's word from Judges 8, verses 22 to 27. Then the men, men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandson also, for you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, we will willingly give them. And they spread a cloak and every man threw in it the earrings of his spoil. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was a thousand seven hundred shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments. 
worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were found on the necks of their camels. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city in Ophrah. And all Israel whored after it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So now compared to the previous chapters of Gideon's story, this passage feels like a sharp turn in the wrong direction. The first time I read this passage, I couldn't understand Gideon. I actually got so angry with him because after all that God had done in his life, Gideon lives out his life so faithlessly and he leads Israel so astray at the last moment. And as I studied the passage this week, I kept thinking, wow, Gideon is so faithless. What a faithless man. But also while studying, I came to the realization, Stephanie, are you any different? Because like Gideon, we can know the truths of scripture in our heads and hold a personal story of God's faithfulness in our hearts, but never let them translate into our everyday lives. Through Gideon, we see that faith is not just about our theology or testimony, but also about living out what we, have, what we believe and what we have experienced. This passage reminds us of how we should live as God's people, to live out what we know. Lately, with all the warnings about COVID-19 and um, suggestions on how to stay healthy and safe, I've been really conscious about touching my face. And if I'm touching my face in this video at any time, I apologize. But I catch myself touching my face all the time, even though I know I'm not supposed to. And maybe some of you can relate, or maybe for other, others of you, it's remembering to wash your hands for 20 seconds or staying home um, and not going out even to meet friends. We can agree and believe in the science behind these practices, but if we don't apply them, it's kind of pointless. It's effectively as if we had never heard about them at all, or even that we don't believe in them. And the practices and suggestions we've learned about and affirm, they stay in our heads and our lives stay unchanged. And in some cases, there are very real consequences for not living out what we believe. And in the same way, it's very possible for us to do the same as we live out our faith. We can believe in what the Bible says and have had personal and deep encounters with God, but never let it translate into our lives in real and present ways. So this passage serves as an exhortation and as a warning for us. Live out what you know. Live in accordance with what you know to be true of God. Because when we don't live out what we know, we leave God, our experiences of him and what we know of him in the past. But when we do, we experience God in the present, not just in our heads or in the past, but now tangibly in the present. Though we know God and many of us have experienced his faithfulness in our lives, we can live a life that is forgetful and that's at odds with what we know. 
Gideon shows us in this passage that what it looks like when we don't live out our faith, first by our actions, and second by where we look to for guidance. He shows us how when we don't live out what we know, we leave God in the past. So my first point is that when our actions don't reflect what we know, what God has revealed to us stays in the past. Gideon had utterly defeated the Midianites with only 300 men, and he captured and executed their kings. And at the beginning of this passage, the Israelites are so impressed by Gideon that in verse 22, they ask him to rule over them. But Gideon answers them and tells them that, no, he will not rule over them. The Lord will rule over them. And at this point, Gideon is still the hero, at least outwardly. He says the right thing, and in his response, he acknowledges God as the true ruler and the true savior of Israel. But from verse 24 onwards, Gideon's actions totally contradict what he had said to the Israelites. He tells the people that he won't rule over them, but he asks them to give him their earrings and he collects their offerings of gold and treasure. This is significant because in that day and culture, this was what conquering kings did as a symbol of submission. So when Gideon takes the gold, he acts the part of a king or a ruler. Later in the passage, we see that Gideon even names his son Abimelech, which literally means my father is king. So in other words, Gideon says that the Lord will rule over Israel, but by his actions, he takes the seat of kingship for himself instead of God, to whom even he says that it belongs. Gideon gives the textbook right answer, but when we look at his actions, what he says is true is not evident. Gideon's actions display to us that knowing the right answer or having the right theology, it doesn't mean that it's reflected in our lives. We can have the right answer, but like Gideon, we live in the exact opposite way. Without action, what God has taught us remains in the past and in our heads. And as a result, our old ways of thinking and living that God had spoken into, our human self that he had redeemed, gets more airtime, more room to stretch out, move, and breathe. So when our actions don't reflect what we know to be true, it means that we're not yet conformed to the truth. We're still entertaining another old way of living. For example, like Gideon, we say that God is sovereign or that Christ is Lord over our lives, but our actions say that we're in charge of our lives, not God. We make decisions or plan our lives without consulting or even considering God. We even give our sins a pass because we don't think that they're that bad. We believe that God is compassionate and cares about justice, but we aren't generous with our time or money to help those who are vulnerable. And we know that God is love, but we live in a way that 
shows that we lack compassion for others or for ourselves even. Most of us, if not all of us, have had our rhythms and our lifestyles totally disrupted by COVID-19. And as Pastor Bill mentioned in his sermon last week, this disruption exposes the state of our hearts, minds, and our souls. But one day, we'll go back to our regular rhythms. And the things that were exposed today, they can retreat back and linger. I don't want to make light of the severe situation we're in but I also don't want to miss the spiritual opportunities that are present. Before we go back to living the way we have been, let's take this opportunity to, ex to change the exposed areas where what you believe in and how you live are not aligned. If you're noticing that you prioritize comfort and security, implement habits of surrender and generosity today. If there are distractions or desires that are competing with God for your attention, plan on how to set aside time for what is important. If the physical distance or for roommates and spouses, the closeness reveals that your relationships need to be more centered on loving one another, be vigilant and be proactive about expressing humility forgiveness, and openness. Take this opportunity to develop new habits of living and to conform your actions to the truths that you already know. You and I who profess faith in Christ have had our lives totally changed by him. But in the areas of our life where our actions don't align with what we know, we live in the past the past where our old selves live and breathe rather than what God has shown us to be possible through Christ. And the God we say we believe in is not the same God we allow to touch our lives. But what Christ has saved us into and what God has planned for us is much, much more than that. He wants for us a life filled with stories of his love in the present not just a past or passive knowledge of it. So it's important that our actions match what we believe and have experienced. Because when we do, we take hold of the faith we've been given and we experience in very real ways the life that we've been saved into. But in our day to day, it can be hard to remember or even to know how to live as saved people. And especially in circumstances in our lives that are difficult or sudden, we may wonder, what word does God have for me in the circumstance I'm in now? How exactly does God want me to live every day in, in circumstances that are good and in those that are just terrible? And it's okay to have these questions, and it's natural to need guidance. There are none of us here who have an innate knowledge of what it should look like to live out our faith. If anything, the opposite comes naturally to us. But when we have these questions, it's important to know where to turn to. 
it's important for us to remember to turn to God to guide us and to teach us again how faithful he is. Because when we turn elsewhere for guidance, what God has said to us and promised, it stays in the past. And as a result, his word lacks present application to our lives. In verse 22, we see that Gideon not only takes the gold, but he also makes an ephod. An ephod was a garment made of precious metals worn by the high priest. And the ephod was how the high priest got the attention of God and heard from him. It was a symbol of the role of the priest as one who sought knowledge and wisdom from God. But in the passage, we see that Gideon makes much more than just a garment. Verse 27 says that Gideon put the ephod in his city. And in the Hebrew, it's actually better translated as set it up in his city. What this means is that most likely Gideon not only made the priestly garment, but he also made an image or a statue of gold to set the ephod over. And the people of Israel worshipped it like an idol instead of worshipping God. By setting up an ephod, Gideon places his trust in signs rather than in God. Gideon elevates the ephod as something that could lead him to the answers that he desired. And it becomes a symbol for how he and the Israelites longed and cared more for signs from God than for what cared more for signs from God for what to do in times of uncertainty and crisis than for the presence of God himself. One commentator exposes their lack of trust in God saying, we are not content merely to walk obediently to the scriptures, trusting God's providence and goodness. No, we must have more, a specific and direct word from God about what we should do in our particular problem. Like Gideon, we can also end up looking to signs instead of turning to God and remembering what he has said. When we're faced with big life decisions, we ask God to open or close doors so that he would make clear to us which one to choose. Or we know that we should talk to the friend we're having a disagreement with but we don't act until God gives us a sign to reach out. We take blessings as signs of God's love and reasons to praise him and hardship as signs that we've done something wrong. Living by faith means that we don't rely on signs or a specific word from God to come to us in every situation, though sometimes in his grace, he does provide them to us. But when he does, it's God reminding you of the promises that he already made to you. It's not God showing up, but it's God displaying to us that he is always with us. We live out our faith by living by the word that has already been spoken and already been promised to us. And when God is seemingly silent, it's because he desires for us to live by remembering his word and turning to it in faith and obedience. In this way, we apply God's promises into the present. 
for no longer how long ago they were made. They are still true and living and active today. So in whatever situation we're in or decision we have to make, we need to remember the truths we've been given and even covet his word. It was given to us not only to read, but in it is every promise and every guide for how to live and how to worship him. Look to scripture and read it in its correct genre, not as fiction or as an autobiography of someone else's life, but as a book written for you, a guidebook for every day in every moment. Cornerstone, let's be people of his word. If you're in times of crisis or hardship, go to scripture to remind yourself of his faithfulness and sovereignty. If you have a decision to make, go to the word and read about those like Abraham, Joshua, or Daniel, whose actions were so rooted in their trust in God. And if you desire to know God's will for your life, read the word and see the ways that he longs for you to love him and to love others. And to be transparent, it's actually really hard for me to turn to the Bible when I'm in difficult seasons or when I'm trying to discern God's call on my life. And I really wrestled with that, especially in seminary when I didn't know what God wanted me to do. And I'm naturally impatient and very risk averse. So I want an easy answer. And sometimes I just want God's voice to call out from heaven, telling me exactly what I should do. And I've even prayed for that. But I don't know about you, but that has never happened to me, at least not yet. But what I have experienced is times when scripture was a better and clearer word than anything any person, worship song, Instagram post, or even sermon could have said to me. When it felt like scripture was written just for me. And I didn't have the exact answer for my situation or the decision I had to make. But I knew from scripture that God was with me and God was for me. And that is much more valuable than a one-time sign from God. Reading the Bible is an essential part of living out our faith and experiencing God in the present. And some of us have been told to read the Bible a lot, especially if you've been in church for a while. But it's not just about reading scripture. It's also about trusting who we find there. When we turn to signs instead of God's word, what God has said to us stays in the past or in a closed book waiting to speak to us, to tell us of how trustworthy, faithful, powerful, loving, and present our God is personally to us. Not just in the past or long ago, but today for us in whatever circumstance we're in. Today is actually the first day of Holy Week, Palm Sunday. And on the first Palm Sunday, Jesus came into Jerusalem victorious, like a king riding into his own city. 
The story of Holy Week begins here and it ends on Good Friday, where those who had called him Savior and King on Sunday demanded on Friday that he be crucified. This week, like this passage, is a testimony of a faith not lived out. It reveals our sinful nature as humans, the ways in which God's people can say one thing, but then turn and do another. The ways that we can't recognize Jesus without his signs and miracles. But this week is also a reminder of God's faithfulness, that it was for us that Jesus came and died that it was for us and even those who did not live out that, their faith that first Holy Week. And Easter, which is coming up next Sunday, is a day where we not only remember what God has done in the past, but we also celebrate the ways that we live in victory in the present. And so in light of this truth, we live out what we know through actions and through turning to the word of God for guidance. Because when we don't live out what we know, we live God in the past. But when we do live out what we know, we experience God's promises in the present. And this year, we are admittedly worshiping and even celebrating Easter much differently than we're used to. The ways that we may long to worship together are not accessible to us right now but God's presence and promises are still true today, no matter how we gather for worship and no matter what is going on in the world. By living out what we know to be true, we can experience God's promises now in the present. And living out what we know means that you and I have not only met Christ or learned about him, but now because of his death and resurrection, we live and walk with him. And as saved people of God, our faith is much more than head knowledge. It is daily, real and life-changing communion with God. Your life can be lived out with God every day and you can know God's faithfulness in new ways every day through him. A.W. Tozer, a pastor and a writer, um, writes, Over against all this cloudy vagueness stands the clearest scriptural doctrine that God can be known in personal experience. A loving personality dominates the Bible, walking among the trees of the garden and breathing fragrance over every scene. Always a living person is present speaking, pleading, loving, working, and manifesting himself whenever and wherever his people have the receptivity necessary to receive the manifestation. This is what it means to live with God daily. Through Christ, we can know and hear and experience the living God whenever and wherever we are. The God who delivered Israel is here with us today. And the God who claimed victory over sin and death through the cross is here, victorious today. And this is the word we need to hear today, isn't it? It's the word that I need that admits the uncertainty, anxiety, 
and constant news of the suffering of others in our nation, that God is with us. That in your homes and your new rhythms, or if you're a healthcare professional in your totally changed workplaces, that in new challenges, unexpected hardships, and all kinds of loss, from weddings to jobs to income, compassion, companionship to loved ones, God is with us. Whether we are physically together or apart as a church, God is present with us. That is his promise laid out in scripture, given to his people, even to Gideon. This promise is meant for more than just to know in our heads. These truths change our lives, for God is much more than what we make of him. So this week, I want to encourage you to find a promise of God and place it where you can see it. A sticky note on your mirror reminding you that God is with you. An open page of the Bible on your desk reminding you of his faithfulness. Your favorite scripture on the wallpaper of your phone or a silent alarm to remind you that God is with you. And when you see it, pray it over yourself and others. This week, let it be an invitation to come to Christ even for just a moment, and say, God, I know you are with me. In preparation for Easter and during this unprecedented time, let us hold fast to the promise that God is with us. And let's put it where we can see it so that we can believe it, trust it, and live it. Though we are far from each other and though a virus is shaking up our lives in ways we couldn't have expected, he is near and God is present and he is working. And in response, let us come to him and let's live by the things we know to be true. So Cornerstone, let's live out what we know into the real presence and promise of God. Let's not be like Gideon who, in his actions and where he places his trust, left God in the past. He lived forgetting about his relationship with God. But for us, it can be different. Holy Week and Easter is a yearly reminder of the fact that we have had a personal encounter with God that has changed our lives in every way. Our tendency is to see our testimonies of how we met God and accepted Jesus as the one great story of our lives. And it's a very important story. It is. But I'm convinced that every day going forward is to be a better one. Our testimonies of God can breathe fresh air and take on new meanings as we experience the power of an active faith. So let's live out our faith by centering what we do and what we put our trust in on God. Will you bow in prayer with me? Gracious and sovereign and loving God, we thank you that you are with us. Lord, that even when we are physically apart and have not seen each other, Lord, that your spirit 
connects us still as one body. And Lord, we thank you that we are never alone. God, would you be with your people today as we go forward with the rest of this week and the rest of our lives? Would you embolden us to take for us, ourselves your truths that you tell us in scripture and that you have impressed upon our hearts in amazing ways? And would you help us to live them out, to let them shape and change our lives and for us to know you more and more each day because we do so. And Lord, help us to turn to your word when we need to hear from you. Lord, let our times with you in scripture be so sweet and so powerful. And let it be a reminder to us that you are never far from us, Lord, that your word is so close and that you have much to say to us. So God, as we go forward this holy week and as we prepare our hearts for Easter, God, would you show us that you are present, that you are powerful, that you are king and that you are everything that we learned you were. And Lord, would you teach us to live in the present victory of the risen Christ, of your work through him every day in our lives. So Lord, until we see each other again, keep us safe, keep us centered on you. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.